You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed mind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. This to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano and I'm hosting today's program. The program is produced by Kelly Whitworth, who will podcast the Anarchist World This Week in the next 24 hours. Thank you for listening. If you want to know what Anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power and equal access to wealth. If you want to simplify that, it's very simple. It's a political ideology or a philosophy, whatever you like to call it, based on the concept of removing rulers. And why do we want to remove rulers? Not rules, rulers, because inequalities in power and wealth, which lead to the disgusting situation we see around the world today. Very simple. Simple concept. You don't need a PhD in political science. You don't even need a bachelor in political science. You don't even need to go to the first lecture in political science. It's very simple. The anarchist struggles, the struggle against inequalities of power and wealth, because it's those inequalities which give rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people. Now, we're going to go through this again, and again, and again, and again, because nobody seems to be listening, apart from some sections of the Australian Greens, which is good to see. Stop digging holes and build homes. Why are we spending billions of dollars digging holes? And if you travel around the country, especially in the capital cities, we see hole after hole after hole being dug while there is a crisis as far as housing is concerned. A real crisis which increasing interest rates and increasing rents have actually highlighted to the average person. And that's the difference. While money was available for almost nothing, nobody cared. But as interest rates and rents increase, we are beginning to have a problem. When I say we, the country. Maybe you and me haven't got a problem, but the country's got a problem. And unfortunately, there is hardly anybody talking about public housing. 
There's a lot of garbage spoken about community housing, inclusive housing, social housing, affordable housing. These are all privately owned housing. And state governments and the federal government have now embarked on a policy of promoting community, social, affordable, inclusive housing. Even Mr Albanese, and I'll speak about him later on, I haven't actually mentioned him for the past year, who grew up in public housing, has changed his tune. So why is a strong public housing sector so important in a mixed capitalist economy? The whole point about capitalism, private investment for private profit, is we're told it's based on the concept of competition. There is no competition in a capitalist society because most facets of human existence are controlled and manipulated by a handful of corporations, right? When there is no strong public housing sector or any public banking sector or public financial sector, there is no competition. The various corporations involved in those sectors basically maximise profits. And you maximise profits by ripping off your workers and ripping off your customers. It's a very simple concept. As we see today, it's the ordinary folk, the people who are renting or paying mortgages, who have been asked to carry the can, and that's two-thirds of the country, who have been asked to carry the can for inflation. We see no decrease in corporate profits. We see every interest rate rise passed on by the banks, and a little bit extra passed on by the banks. We see this continually. We see the leaners continue to lean, and the lifters, which is ordinary people, paying the price for an economic system which is based on a private investment for private profit philosophy. So let's get back to the public housing sector. If you have a strong public housing sector, it's very simple. It's an exceptionally simple equation. Even an idiot like me can work this out, all right? And if I can work it out, I'm sure all the intelligent people listening to the Anarchist World this week will be able to work it out, and possibly maybe some people who are not listening. If you've got a strong public housing sector, you introduce competition in the private market place as far as housing is concerned fewer people will need to rent simple if fewer people need to rent properties private properties become empty rents decrease irrespective of the supply of properties, because the public housing sector has increased, rents decreased. As rents decreased, the 8% of Australians have got disposable income to negatively gear a second property, will move out of the market into a more profitable, you know, financial sector. As they move out of the market, housing prices drop at the lower end of the market. This means more people can enter the marketplace as far as housing is concerned. Simple. Now we use the term public housing everybody's business for a number of reasons. It's not just about 
housing. It's about housing security for a reasonable rent. And public housing rents are fixed at 25% of income. And public housing should be available not just for emergency situations, but for everybody who cannot afford to buy in the private housing market. What happens when you fix rents at 25% of income? There is more disposable income to buy consumer items. That means local businesses profitability picks up because people don't have to pay 30, 40, 50, 60% of their income on rent or paying a mortgage. They're only paying 25%, so they've got extra money to fry around. At the same time, what does renting mean? It means insecurity. In this country, we don't have 10-year leases. We have one-year leases. 20 years ago, 10% of Australians rented. Today, 20 years later, 35% of Australians are now renting because they can't afford to enter the private housing market. Housing security is essential if you have young children or if you require job security. And the fact that public housing not only means you pay less If you earn less, only 25% of your income, it also provides stability as far as educational outcomes for children. They don't have to continue to move schools and form new friendships and and all those problems which are created with moving schools all the time and educational outcomes improve. And I know many people in public housing, because of the nature of work I do, And their kids have moved on. They have benefited from that security. Now, if you've got security of housing, at the same time you increase community security. So all those people concerned about, you know, riots and crime may find they need to spend less money on personal security and personal alarm systems because the amount of crime and asocial behaviour will decrease. So it's a win-win situation. So why is nobody, apart from, as I said, the more radical sections of the Australian Greens, promoting public housing and groups like ourselves? Well, it's very simple. Because it's, this is an ideology. It's an ideology based on privatisation. It's an ideology based on governments refusing to intervene in the marketplace. That's simple. So what's the point of having a government which refuses to intervene in the marketplace? What's the point of having parliamentary elections if what you get is the same time and time again? Think about it. Now, those of you who listen to this program regularly will know that we've had a uh, Margaret Kelly, a 68-year-old disability support pensioner who's about to be evicted on the, I think it's the 16th of May, which is only, what, a few weeks away, from a housing estate in Port Melbourne, the Beaconsfield Estate. Sorry, the Barrack, sorry, the Barrack Estate. Barrack, Beaconsfield Estate. And she's been there for over 25 years, right? Over 25 years. 
So this estate, the Barrack Beacon Estate, which has 89 publicly owned two and three bedroom family homes, which currently well, were, were housing over 250 residents, but now it's just a handful of people as people get pushed out, is going to be replaced by 350 privately owned units and 100 of these will be social housing. Hmm? Mainly one bedroom. Mainly one bedroom. It's not going to resolve you know, the housing issue. This is the con of the century. So Margaret Kelly, who I'll be interviewing this afternoon on Radical Australia between 4 and 5pm on Community Radio 3CR, and that interview will be podcast, Margaret Kelly has refused to move. And she came to public interest before, quarter, before public housing everybody's business. She came to us at public housing before everybody's business because she saw us every first day on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And we've been conducting this campaign for over six years. And she approached us for assistance. Now, she... It's not just about her. And she makes that very clear. It's about a change in the Victorian state's government and other state governments' ideology as far as privatising housing, public housing is concerned. And her motto, and our motto, is retain, repair, reinvest. Retain the country, the current public housing stock. Repair the country, public housing stock, because currently it's Victorian state government policy to allow public housing stock to deteriorate by not performing essential maintenance and once it deteriorates they can actually privatise it because it becomes an eyesore and a social embarrassment. And this is happening across the country, not just in Victoria. All those state governments which are pursuing a privatising public housing agenda. Now, Margaret has got a simple request. She would like to meet the Minister, the Victorian Public Housing Minister, the Honourable Mr Colin Brooks, Member of Parliament. Hmm? The Honourable Colin Brooks. Now, if you're going to be evicted from a place you've lived in for 25 years and reared children... It's always nice to know why. And it's also nice to know what type of policies governments are pursuing. So you've got a simple request, initial simple request, to have a meeting with the minister before the bailiffs and the police turn up to turf her out of her unit at the Barrack Beacon Estate. Simple. So we've been putting out material, putting pressure on the state government to take this campaign seriously, not just about Margaret Kelly's imminent eviction, but about the whole philosophy behind the government's, Victorian state government's privatisation of public housing agenda. And at midday on Thursday the 11th of May, supporters of the Save Barrack Beacon Group and Miss Margaret Kelly will be walking from the Parliament House to the Minister's office 
to pleasantly ask for a meeting. If, if by some chance this has not occurred before then. She'll be doing a media conference at 11.30am on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House on Thursday the 11th of May. That's in eight days' time. So if you want more information, go to the Public Housing Everybody's Business website or the Defend and Extend Public Housing website or my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. There's plenty of places you can get the information. But if there is one action this year that you're going to go to that may have a profound impact on policy, this is the one. Now, we know we don't have the numbers to force government to change policy direction, but we saw during the late state election, which is trumped as a great victory by the Daniels Labor government, when you actually look at the figures and how badly they did in terms of losing 10, 15, 20% of voters in so-called safe Labor seats, you begin to understand that people are beginning to get sick and tired of these policies based on privatisation. And if we want change, we need to support people like Margaret Kelly and the residents of the Barack Beacon Estate and residents across Victorian public housing who face the same fate as thousands have during the last six, eight years where they've been re allocated and public land has been given away to the private sector to build so-called social community affordable housing in little corners of that public space. So ultimately, we can only do so much. Without your support, we can't go any further. And obviously, this is an example of what we can do to shame the government. And it's about shaming the government. There are human costs to these policies. And in an era when people are beginning to feel the squeeze as far as housing is concerned, this is the time that we need to take action to change the direction of government policy at the federal level, which is all about public housing, all about community, social, inclusive, whatever, housing, and nothing about public housing. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. It is broadcast across Australia. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. There are thousands of programs. You can access on thousands of different topics. But the important thing we need to remember is if we don't fight back, nothing changes. And at least in a parliamentary democracy, although we don't have a Bill of Rights in this country, there is still movement, there is still ability to move and make changes as far as policy is concerned. Let's move on. Comedy. He can't help himself, can he? He can't help himself. Now, I understand on Saturday there's some page, pageant, pageant, was it? Pageant? I don't know, some parade and some te- television spectacular to honour 
a descendant of murderers, rapists, thieves, exterminators. Yep, and our beloved Prime Minister will be there. Think about it. His Majesty, His Highness, as if his shit doesn't stink. Think about it. If I was speaking like this a few hundred years ago, I would be charged with high treason. And the only reason I'm not charged with high treason is because of the efforts of millions of people who have broken down the authority of self-appointed monarchs who sent people to their deaths, who enslaved millions, who murdered millions, who stole the world's wealth and who continue to live off that stolen wealth. Now, Mr Charles, I'm not going to call him King Charles, Mr Charles, because he's not my king and he never will be. Maybe he's your king, that's your problem. Mr Charles, an elderly gentleman about my age, could have been a great Mr Charles. He could have said, look, we don't need this pomp and ceremony. We don't need a hundred heads of states to come here, courtesy of taxpayers in Britain and obviously the rest of the country. We don't need these showy performances. Get the Archbishop of Canterbury or whatever he is to pour a bit of water over me and, you know, I'll be the monarch. End of story. Great man would go down in history as a wonderful human being. But he can't help himself, can he? He is part of that tradition. He is part of that tradition. I mean, in the good old days, you had treason when you campaigned against the state, and you had high treason when you made derogatory comments about Mr Charles and his ilk, OK? So what was the punishment for high treason? And this is what the Eureka rebels faced in 1854. Hanging, drawing and quartering. What does this mean? I mean, these are the people we are expected, you know, to honour. Some idiot kills, murders two of his wives, sets up his own bloody religion, you know, which people still follow today, and somehow, you know, he's some, some, there's some type of gods. I mean, they're just human beings. The only thing they had in the past was monopoly on the use of power, but on the use of force, and now they've got the state to help them maintain that monopoly. So, and what are we celebrating? What are you... I'm not celebrating. I mean, I celebrated on the 1st of May. Most Australians didn't celebrate on the 1st of May. I'm sure 99.99% didn't. But I celebrated on the 1st of May. Why should I waste my life and my time watching some crap about some idiot who thinks he's got a divine right to rule? Oh, they do a lot of charity work. They're good for the tourist industry. Don't give me a break. I mean, here in Australia, we've got six of them in every state representing Mr Charles. Six of them, which we pay for. And then we've got one in the federal parliament who we pay for, who starts everything off. And then on the Victorian flag, you've got the bloody crown. Come on. Are we this desperate for entertainment? And I'll go back. To, look, I just want to 
show you the type of people we're dealing with. Maybe not Mr. Charles himself. I'm sure he's a decent human being. But again, you've got to look at the institution. The institution. How did this institution enrich itself? It enslaved millions who died. How did it enrich itself? It conquered and exterminated First Nations people around the world. How did it enrich itself? It oppressed, exploited and executed its own citizens en masse. And the list goes on and on. Hanging, drawing and quartering. This gives you an insight into the mentality of this, this functional institution. So if you're convicted of high treason, that means you said something naughty about the monarch, your ruler, God appointed. First of all, you'd be hung, but not to the point of death. You'd be strangled. You actually wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do the drop where your C1 breaks and your spinal cord tears and you stop breathing and you die within, you know, 60 seconds. Nothing like that. You're strangled after you've been hung, hung, drawn, drawn, you're laid out on a table, surrounded by thousands of people, because the thing about a bloody execution is, if it's not public, what's the point? It's about to create terror in the minds of the subjects. Remember, you're a subject boy, girl. Draw. Well, you get a sword or a big knife and you open up their belly. They're still alive, remember? Then the executioner lifts up the intestines for everybody to look at. And then what happens is, and I think this is very theatrical, you've got to remember these executions are theatrical. Then they burn the intestine of the living human being. All right? They used to burn, and you burn the intestine because the smell covers the crowd. You may not be able to see the hanging and the drawing, but you can smell the burning intestine. Now, if you had a nice executioner, he would then rip out your heart, and that's the end of it. But if, you're, if, your, if your crime was as heinous as mine in terms of the monarch, then came the coup de grace. You had a horse tied to both wrists, one wrist and the other. You had a horse tied to both ankles. Then you were pulled apart. And then, if you were really important, you had your head cut off and put on a pike. Just as an example... Anybody else who's going to show any disrespect to the monarch. And do you think things would have been different if there hadn't been mass protests, revolts, rebellions, revolutions, which resulted in the deaths of millions of ordinary people? Do you really think things would have been any different? Think about it, what you're watching, if you're watching on Saturday. Think about it. What type of society have we become are we some fawning, disgusting, grotesque caricature of a human being where we honour, obey somebody who thinks they've been, some institution which has been imposed 
on people through force, through murder, exploitation, slavery, rape. Come on, we're better than that. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano, and if you want to hang, draw and quarter me, at least it'll be a nice spectacle. Now, the boy's lost his way. Now, I, I've really said nothing about Mr Albanese for a year. He's been Prime Minister for a year. I've been, I've been a good boy, all right? You and I know that I sometimes, like before, I'm not a good boy. But this, I've been a good boy. I thought, well, they've only got 33% of the vote and their heartland deserted them. Maybe, maybe we're going to get a change. Now, obviously, I'm an idiot. Now, the boy has lost his way. The boy. Mr Albanese, our Prime Minister, let's go through a few things that have happened in the last few weeks that are enough to make an adult vomit profusely. You know? What's his name? The old Technicolor yawn. Hmm? The boy has lost his way. Now, this is a Labor Prime Minister. The first thing I saw when I got up this morning, I felt sick, was... Our Prime Minister shaking hands with Charlie. Yep, he's gone there for the inauguration, or whatever they call it, of the King, at your expense. Now, things are even worse than that. I mean, I could forgive him for that. I could forgive the boy for that. But it gets worse. Now, this lad started off his political career at 12 when he, I think he organised a rent strike because the, the public housing unit he was in, there was going to be an increase in the rent or something. And I didn't notice when he was first elected as Prime Minister, I thought, oh, maybe there is some potential because he used the p- word public housing for a few weeks. But then the lads told him, the lads and lasses told him, that's not politically correct anymore. It's social, community, affordable, inclusive housing. Not that he would know what public housing is. So he's forgotten. Then his old mum was on a, I think, deserted wife's pension, they used to call it in those days. Could have been a disability support pension. And under the legislation then, he, she didn't have to go to work. Till he was 16. And then he got a free education. But he was part of that hawk Keating government that privatised education. That sold off the Commonwealth Bank. That sold off Telstra. I mean, we like to think of the, the bad people in the Liberal National Party, but... You know, let's, let's remember where all this started. So the boy has lost his way. And then, to put the cherry on top of the cream, he attended Mr Sandy Lands. And if you don't know who Mr Sandy Lands is, I didn't really know who he was. He's some type of grotesque shock jock, even more grotesque than I am. Um, from a different political direction, obviously. Wedding. Unbelievable. The boy has lost his way. Look, I can forgive anybody almost anything. 
But there is something I cannot forgive. And unfortunately, it is a, it is a very common problem in this country. And it's a very common problem amongst people who use the social elevator which was created through the mass movement which forced governments like the Whitlam Labor government to introduce a radical agenda to look after people. These lads and lasses who forget where they came from. Now I gave Mr Albanese a year to prove me wrong. That somehow, because of his upbringing, because he was brought up in public housing, because his mother was a single parent, because he had to, you know, struggle to get an education, I thought the boy would remember where he came from. Unfortunately, he hasn't. And as I said, when he was elected, Mr Andrews, the Victorian Labor Premier, was elected and all the Labor Premiers around Australia, apart from the little island of Tasmania, I said, we are now the opposition because these people have forgotten where they came from. I haven't forgotten where I came from and most of you haven't forgotten where you came from. And if those people who have ben benefited through legislation and the social elevator which has now been destroyed in this country, forget where they come from, the chance for change disappears. So if you thought it was safe to go back in the water today because the Labor government is in power at the national level and every state level apart from Tasmania and the ACE and, and the and uh, the Northern Territory, I mean, Northern Territory's Labor and the ACT, then think again. The time for sitting, lying back, waiting for change to occur has finished. A year in a three-year parliamentary term is enough to see the direction that this government is going in. And if you think this direction is the right way, well, maybe you shouldn't be listening to the Anarchist World this week and you should be reading Parliamentary Hansard Records because it's not safe to get back into the water because nothing seems to have changed. Nothing seems to have changed. And Mr Albanese's behaviour not only highlights that he's forgotten where he comes from, but his behaviour highlights that the Australian Labor Party should never be called Labor. It should be called the Alternative Liberal Party because that's what it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. It may have a few socially progressive agendas which will have no impact on the inequality that exists in this country, no impact on the need for urgent need for housing. No impact on the corporate sector. But may help certain minorities in society. But the fact is that unless we see a dramatic shift
in the ALP, and I don't expect to see a dramatic shift in the ALP. At the next election, the heartland, the people the ALP was formed for, will finally desert what is nothing more than a pro-corporate, pro-business, pro-billionaire government. And you think I'm exaggerating? Have a look at their parliamentary agenda. Let's move on. Look, uh, you've got your chance to get back, you know. Things are just so crazy. They really are. The boy has lost his way. Charlie can't help himself. Margaret Kelly's facing eviction. People are being pu pushed and prodded and, you know, in every direction. No wonder people are getting angry, you know, and taking it out of another citizens when they should really join the dots. And that's the problem today. People don't join the dots. I'll give you an example. The immigration con. Now... We've got a Ponzi immigration scheme, and it's very simple. It's Ponzi economics. You know, the more people you have, the more, um, you know, the more taxation revenue, the more cheap labour, etc., etc. Now, let's look at the immigration system in this country, which supposedly has just been reformed. Now, the immigration system in this country was concocted by the Howard regime, the current immigration system, Although they ran, on, and that's the fascinating thing is, they ran on an anti-immigration policy to dog whistle to the racists in the community. And I'll talk about why we have so many uh, problems in this country. And you may think we don't have any problems. It's the land of milk and honey. Maybe when you look at Sudan, it is the land of milk and honey, but that's a different story. So the immigration con, right? The government and business had a problem. We had a strong labour movement. And a strong labour movement was based on the fact that we had an immigration policy based on permanent migration, not temporary work visas. So in order to free up, in inverted commas, the economy, which is, you know, dog whistling for let's exploit some, a new group of people, the immigration policy was changed in order to allow temporary workers into the country. People who would have little chance of becoming citizens, but a good chance of becoming a huge pool of exploited labour. And before COVID-19, one in seven Australian workers was on a temporary work visa. So what do temporary work visas do? Obviously they provide work for people who, have, who want to make a bit of money, which is fair enough. Where they live, it's difficult. They come here on a temporary work visa. But what happens when they come here? Their labour is exploited. And especially in the hospitality industry, before COVID-19, the hospitality industry ran, ran, unexploited temporary workers. At the same time, if you have a large pool of people who are on temporary visas who have to rely on their employer being nice to them 
in order to maintain their ability to work and not be deported, you find that people don't join unions. So it had a twofold effect, which people understood, people in government. One, you get a temporary, cheap labour force, and at the same time, it's a de-unionised, unorganised labour force, which can't come together because of the way it's structured in order to protect its interests. At the same time, what this has done, and this is what I can't forgive them for, what it has done, it has created the opportunity for real racists in the community and white supremacists to use this situation where Australian workers were being pushed out of many jobs because of temporary work visas, and most of these people were in unskilled and semi-skilled work. These weren't about, you know, professors of economics, not that I'd call that skilled, considering what's happening today, but what this does is foster division and racism in the community. And this is a perfect environment for racists to influence, groom and get new members in their groups who don't understand the current situation that they face in terms of finding work was related to the fact it was related to government policy. Now, it's good to see, you know, I must be nice to the Labor Party, they've made a few changes to try to improve the situation. But the fact is, they're not the changes we need. We don't need temporary workers. We need permanent workers who can become citizens and become part of this country. That's what we need. The immigration, this is, this is a con. No wonder the trade union movement now has less than 12% membership and most of them are in public sector unions, not the private sector, apart from the a few bigger unions that amalgamate, like the CFMEU and the Transport Workers Union and some of the health workers unions. You know, coverage in the private sector is almost non-existent. So it's a con. It's nothing more than a con. And while people don't understand, and this is con has been going on since time immemorial, since 1788, since the, uh, you know, the colonisation process began, about cheap labour improving the profitability of, of individuals and corporations. Oh, it gets worse, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't get worse. What's good about today, and that's what I like about today, is that people are waking up. And usually people wake up is when they're prodded and pushed. Not by us, because nobody listens to, you know, us. I mean, we could, we could talk till the cows come home, but uh, nothing happens. When reality starts prodding and pushing people, and irrespective of the Government Guild at Australian Broadcasting Corporation and the corporate-owned media, irrespective of the garbage which spewed from those, you know, trusted forms of information, irrespective, you know, of what comes out, the fact is that people are beginning to feel a bit of pain. They're having trouble paying their bills. 
Their rents are increasing. Their wages are stable. Can't even keep it with inflation. And why is that? Large pool of temporary non-unionised workers. Legislation which has been passed to make striking virtually illegal in this country. You may have heard about the writer's strike in the USA. People who write all those comedy skits for those so-called, you know, brilliant shock jocks. Well, the fact is, you couldn't do that strike in Australia. You would be jailed. You, would be, you could be fined $10,000 a day. Your trade union could be fined millions of dollars. So in many regards, workers have more rights to withdraw their labour in the US of A than workers have in this country to withdraw their labour. You've got to, you can only withdraw your labour during enterprise bargaining agreement period. You've got to jump all these hoops and then you do a two-hour strike. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. What an extraordinary situation. What an extraordinary country we live in. And the other scam. Have you noticed any corporate profits dipping? I haven't. And I keep my eye on corporate profits, not because I've got any shares. I've got no shares whatsoever. None. And that's a, that's a moral position I've taken. None. The fact is that although people are suffering, corporate profits continue to increase. Dividends to shareholders continue to increase. And then people say, oh, but Joe, Joe, I'm a shareholder. Are you? Yes. I've got a superannuation fund that invests in shares. And one day I will be able to retire in comfort. What a load of bullshit. Superannuation is the privatisation of old age, where you pay for your own old age. And if you're rich, you get a wonderful old age because of all the perks and lurks in the superannuation legislation. If you get a basic wage or you know an average wage, well, you're just going to have to pay your own way. Hmm? Think about it. It's not going to do you any good whether the stock market goes up and down because it's illusory. You may see a million dollars in your super... Well, 300,000, I think, is the average in your superannuation fund, but 300,000 doesn't go a long way once you're retired. So think about it. So, a lot of funny things happening in the world today. I'm not going to concentrate on the rest of the world apart from our friend Charlie. But think about it. I think all the politicians you know have lost their way. Think about the fact that in this country we shouldn't have private charities competing for your money to see whether you're going to give your money to an Australian kid going to school, a public education who can't access a public education, or some poor kid starving in some part of the world. I mean, what an extraordinary state of affairs where we say child poverty is increasing. What an extraordinary state of affairs where we say homelessness is increasing. What an extraordinary state of affairs when we say anxiety, tension is increasing, that we have the highest rate I think it's the highest or the second highest rate of use of antidepressants in the world and we live in the land of milk and honey. How tetchy people are, especially on the roads. The list goes on and on. So obviously, we have issues. 
But in the time-old, time-honoured tradition, we like to think it's our neighbour that's the problem. Different skin colour, different hairstyle, different language, different religion, if they've got one, different cultural practices. That's the problem. We eliminate them and there's no problem. Well, boys and girls, it's got nothing to do with your neighbour. It's got nothing to do with your temporary worker who's come in, you know, trying to make a buck while being exploited. It's got nothing to do with them. It's about government policy. And unfortunately, in the 21st century, Parliament, Parliament has become nothing more than a rubber stamp for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. That's what Parliament has become. Nothing more. And we see it in the mining industry. Where a handful of corporations and individuals have become billionaires and multi-billionaires exploiting resources which belong to the country's First Nations people and ourselves. Billions of dollars every day. And these people don't even pay any form of real taxation. It's extraordinary. And anybody who raises this issue is, you know, considered to be crazy. This is the only way we can do it. We give away our natural resources for peppercorn royalties and a few bit of taxation revenue. Give me a break, really. Is this the type of society you want to live in? Because, you know, as I said, I can, can pontificate. You like that word? Pontificate for hours. But it's really meaningless unless people start taking action, start forming groups, start agitating for change. Any major reform that has occurred in human history, whether it's a dictatorship or a parliamentary democracy, has occurred because of protest. That is the historical record. Nothing more, nothing less. That is the historical record. You, you see, little Charlie boy is going to go have this wonderful, wonderful party with lots and lots of dignitaries coming, which you and I will be paying for one way or another. Now, little Charlie boy would love that the good old days came back where you or I knew our place. And Charlie boy, to a large degree, has now been re replaced by faceless corporations who basically determine government policy. Now, if they didn't determine government policy in this country, do you think we'd have, 100, we'd have 1 million children from a population of 25 million people living in poverty? Do you think we would have people not able to pay rent or their energy bills? Do you think we'd have people having to work two or three jobs in order to pay these increasing interest rates? Do you really think we'd find ourselves in this situation if we had a parliament which actually reflected the will of the population and a mass media which actually reflected what was going on in society? No. It's all about consumption, defecation 
and dying quietly. That's the three pillars of private capitalism, of capitalism, private investment for private profit. And while we continue to worship on its altar, we will continue to find ourselves in this situation. Now, I'll just, just remind you about a few things. Uh, next week, the 10th, if you're in Melbourne, La Pocetta in Carlton North, dinner from 6 to 9 p.m. Pay for your own food, obviously. On the 17th of May, which is a Wednesday night, if you're in Melbourne again, 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray, the Footscray Hotel, I'll be talking about a little-known, ignored mass movement in Victoria based on direct democracy. That's right, the Victorian Land Convention. It's about time we learned a bit of proper history, you know, not the, the stuff we're fed, which really means nothing, all about, you know, the rich and powerful. And things have become so desperate that on the 31st of May, I'm going to do a comedy show. That's right. I don't have to do much. I'll have no writers. It'll all come out of my bloody head, and you're all welcome. I'll tell you more about that next week. So listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, next week. And remember, if you're not happy with things, it's not your fault. It's not your problem. You don't need more antidepressants or anti-anxiety agents. What you need is to understand the type of society we have become and to get involved in actions and activities which actually challenge the status quo. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Don't forget the public housing struggle. Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend public housing. Facebook page, Joseph Toscana. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest. There's a new YouTube channel, Joseph Toscano at NAM, where I'm um, doing the presentations, which I do at the uh, Footscray Hotel, regarding pivotal moments in Australian radical history. You can leave messages on 0439 0439-395-489. I don't answer the phone. Leave a bloody message and I'll get back to you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20. Yes, I'd still get letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been coming to you from the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. My name is Joseph Toscano. Any complaints, ring me. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pipsy.net. And join public interest before corporate interest. You can do it right now. You can do it on the net. Public interest before corporate interest changes the direction of the society. Thank you. Listen in next week. Minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!
Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.